But what an honor it would be to hear maybe one day, <clears throat> out of nowhere, um, my son's friend or something say just say this. She's like my second mom. She's just like my mom that right here order because of the care that I give to him because I don't want to just protect my child and protect every child. So his friends, you know what I'm saying? I would want that they should know if they ever feel scared or afraid, even if they don't feel they could talk to their parents about something, you come and talk to me. And depending on how serious the situation is, of course, get your parents involved. Maybe it's going on at home with your parents. Maybe it's going on at home and your parents don't know with somebody in your home. And maybe you need somebody to talk to. And it's okay to do that, you know. We have to be more about these kids. We can't always just be like, oh, kids isn't learning. Kids isn't. They're going to be what they is for, for crying out loud. For every time a child falls through the cracks, we're like, oh, my God. If I was there, I would have knocked on. Yeah, but, you know, we we can't be there for every child. You know, people could at least start with our nieces, nephews, siblings, you know, these kind of things. Check in with our friends. I, everybody loves to hear you say, how's your kid doing? <laughs> you know Whether you mean it or not. The fact you just took the effort. You know, sometimes just talk to people. You never know. They might just say, well, you know, they're doing great, but I'm going through this thing, whatever. Listen, you know, I think more than anything, especially in these times of, of support, family, especially, but support mothers, um, especially ones that are really all mothers. But let, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. There's some shit mothers out here, okay, that have failed their children. Some of them are sitting in jail. I'm not trying to mom shame, but listen, Chapel's a real bitch. I'm not going to sit up here and go talking shit about them all day. I'm just kind of saying you, you, you can't be serious, assuming that as soon as you push something out of your vagina. That's like saying every man that, uh, you know, you know, secreted sperm out of their genitalia regions and impregnated woman is actual uh father by relationship not father by dna you know you know you understand what i'm trying to say ladies so we cannot do that okay we cannot do that anyway and so um we all as a community and society have to work together and um yeah that's i guess that's all i want to say i love you all and i'll see you all next time here on chapel scorner can't have the traditional um baby shower um, when I was pregnant, you couldn't even have your child's uh, father or any family member or anybody come in with you. You had to come in by yourself. By the time I delivered my child, you could have your partner come in, but a lot of people came with that. So there's a lot of people going through pregnancy right now that's going through things simply because of things like they can't do that. She, she misses everybody, and she would want to see everybody, but with the surge, especially in New York, you know what I'm saying, like she can't see everybody. And like I was trying to tell her, the best thing for you right now is for you to just simply be safe, but to just check in. I sent her a few items and she was so very appreciative of it. And I feel like because of her homegirl's emotional, you know, which is okay. But you got to check in on people, especially the pregnant people during this time. Between the hormones, this thing is going on probably personal in their lives, work, maybe or not. And then, you know, just like, uh, you know, that told her to do a Zoom. She said, girl, I ain't good with Zoom. She said, I'll get on there and just be like, hello, goodbye. Mm. I, was, I was like, shit. <laughs> I started saying, bitch, let me host your Zoom, bitch. That's all you got to say is hello and bye. I be like, girl, this that baby shower, ho. <laughs> we out here, bitch, zooming. <laughs> let me stop. Baby zooming, baby zooming. <laughs> they going to take my mic. But yeah, so where are they? You know, I don't give a damn ticket. So like, I always wanted to start a nonprofit for children. That's always been something I wanted to do even before I my child. Um, especially for New York City. When I moved to New York City, way before I had my child, I've been out here back. I was in Long Island for like, like 20, 15, 20, 15 years, 16 years. And been out here about close to 13 back. 
Okay, let me sing spot. But the point is that um, I noticed watching news, getting into silly politics and all that, that the children have been constantly left behind in things like budgets and programs and after school programs being shut down and all this stuff. And then you have, of course, the uh, you can't ever ignore the the the, the uh, social um, it challenges being that it's in it's very interesting. So you have to deal with things with like gangs, you have to deal with things with like you know um, poverty in some areas. Uh, combined with things like maybe uh, children go through depression, maybe there's some kind of domestic violence in the house. So these make these children now not have outlets or things to make them grow or be creative or more uh, develop them more so much as they're going into situations like home where it's deteriorating them, then they come back out into the streets. I always said, and I'm not trying to judge my people, but I always said the hood always raises the next generation of the hood, not intentionally, but by programming or some kind of a conditioning kind of thing, okay? And I want better for the children, always, all around the world, especially for the children in New York City. So I feel like even before I move out of New York City, you know, I have to put something together for these children. At first, it was specifically for the girls. I specifically want to and need to put something together for the girls. For years, I'm talking shit on Chapel's Corner, but I have to put something together for young girls. You know, I wanted to put an episode together even now. You know, if some of you have children, maybe in high school, it's called High School is Forever. And I really want to talk about that because I know that high school has changed drastically since I went to high school. But at the same time, it's one of those things like that's always going to have an impression on you. And somehow, for some reason, always affects you even after you've come out of it. Some people have great experiences and some people don't. But I want to talk more to the youth. And I'm like, girl, you have this platform. You know, you have this platform, you have that platform. So I'm maybe even going to start another podcast just specifically talking to children and teens in a positive way. No cursing, anything like that. Because I really need to reach out to these children. Okay? I have to. Especially adolescents before Heavenly Father. You know what I'm saying? Like, you snatch me up out of this. I have more to give. I want more to give. I'm constantly growing every day. And one thing, I'm sick and tired of these children getting failed. But enough of me being sick and tired. How can I do something? And I'm not putting that pressure on anybody, but what can I do? And this is me finally saying enough is enough is enough is enough. I cannot save every child. But damn it, I can do something, at least with the children around me. And I pray, God, as my son grows up, okay, and I'm speaking this into existence, and he has friends, even if they're out, I pray that at some point, the same way people say, oh, this is my mom, this is my second mom, this is my third mom. You know, they didn't even ask you to do that. It's just like an honor that you give that person. Like, I have second moms. I have third moms. I, like, that's my mom. My mom, even if she ain't even offended because she already know. That, that woman loved my child. Like, I love my child. You know what I'm saying? Or as much as she loved her, she took care of them at least as much as the same. Wasn't no differentiation or anything. Kept them safe and everything. To this day, I know all my second moms. Right? I call them more second moms even though if I have like a five. What's up, family? Welcome back to another episode of Chapel's Counter. Now, before we begin, I just want to say or um, talk about how... Lately, one of the things that I've been doing, and I mentioned this before in previous episodes, is intentionally uh, raising awareness and, and reading up on a lot of things, but mostly um, cases of children being neglected, abused, murdered, killed, okay? 
which I told you have been trending. It's always been that thing since the beginning of time. There's monsters out here, okay, that don't even need to be living on these streets. But again, in these times, especially since COVID, more and more and more. And as much as these stories hurt me and they pain me, and I'm a tough, I'm tough, you know, but when it comes to children, boy, I'm a weak ass bitch. Like, I'm a, I said, honestly, I'll break down even right now if I think about it long enough. But I refuse to turn a blind eye to a story, no matter how ugly it is, because it's going to bother me because I need to know. You know, I want to know that child did not die in vain in a sense of what could have been done different or what was was there a gun in the house or what was this or what was that this is how I'm thinking okay not just for my own child but for everybody you know what child what child tell me one that ain't my enemy's child okay and if my enemy was telling me child I got a god that's higher than you okay so listen to me all right but honestly what person in the right mind Gonna want anything to happen to ill will to any damn child, okay? With that being said, when I think about today, and I think about children constantly being failed by the system, it pisses me off. And today, when I was sitting here reading these stories again, I hold my child tighter every single day, every single time, kissing me even more. Okay, I don't know, I don't take nothing for granted. But most mothers know, and a lot of people know, you should know that your children, most people know and understand, your children, is they're yours. But if you know about higher faith, they belong to God first before they belong to you. So that child is really on loan to you. You don't know how long you have that child. You don't know how much time. You don't know if that child, you don't know if you're going to pass away on the child. Things happen and life is real. You don't know. This child don't know if it's born to a mother who's having substance abuse. She he, and, and probably uh, a depression as well and might will kill them in less than a month. Throw them out the window. That's not fair or as soon as they come out the womb because they didn't even tell anybody and they had the baby at the time. Nobody knows what's going to happen. But when I think about these things, I said to myself, what do we need? What can we do? What can we do as a society? And I thought about my big sister, Lori. I'm going to tell y'all about my big sister, Lori. She is not my biological sister. She's not my biological sister, but she's older than me by at least, I want to say, 20 years. And I met her in 2009 when I voluntarily went to a church of my own, seeking on my faith. I'm not trying to push anything on anybody. I'm just telling you my story. And the first person who met me, because I was standing outside the church doors, and I was like, it's like the devil was messing with me. I didn't want to go in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew I wanted to go in, but some of those tell me, don't go in because I was so afraid. And I made sure I had the best outfit. And I went to the mall, and I did everything to make sure that I went to church that day just to go. And honestly, I'm getting emotional because I stood out there, and I couldn't even make it in. I don't know what it was. You know, you got to understand, sometimes when there's a light in your life, sometimes when something has a hand on you and, and you have purpose, we all have purpose. But sometimes when you're trying to tap into your purpose and you're trying to reach for it, and even when you're right there, literally like me at that door, something will try to distract you and hold you back. And it was this old lady who saw me standing out there. She must have just sensed it. She was a deaconess. And she said, hi, how are you doing? My name is this. She's like, what's your name? You know, trying to like break the ice. And I said, my name is, my name is Lindsay, you know. And she said, you know, how are you doing? It's your first time. I said, Yes. 
And she said, well, you know, service starts here. Are you going to come on in? I said, yes. And she announced, I was like, she said, well, she could sense my nervousness. And she said, well, you know, I'm a deaconess and it's first Sunday. And I have to sing or my group have to sing this Sunday. She said, but you're more than welcome if you want to. You can sit with um, my daughter when she comes in. My daughter and, and, and our family, when she comes in, I'll sit you down. And when my daughter comes in, you'll sit with her. And that's what I did. So it was, it, she brought me into the church and I sat down in the pew right behind Biden Deaconesses. And she told me to sit here and don't worry. Her, her daughter and the family was going to come. Her daughter ended up being my big sister, Lori. So Lori comes through, and I'm just like, I don't even know if this girl, woman's going to like me or how old her daughter. She's she's older. This woman was uh, of 60 years old. She's clearly an elderly woman. So her daughter would have had to be like a grown woman. So she comes in, and she's like, oh, this is the Lindsay. This is a girl. She, you know, she's she's the first time here, whatever. I'm going to sit here and sit down with her. So um, outstanding. My big sister from first day, she's just like, how are you doing? Whatever the situation is. This, that, and the third. Now, she walked in that day with two children. Two children that I understood at the time was her children. Okay, and I'm going to get to the point of this in, in a minute. All right, I'm just trying to build up the story. And she was so loving and caring with them and everything. And I just was like, wow, like, one, I was happy I went to church. Two, so happy that I was able to get through the door. It was not for her mother, the deaconess, I wouldn't have went through the door. And then I met a wonderful family who said, if any time, just come sit with us. Because sometimes you don't want to be alone and you want to do things, you want to be alone. In that situation, I didn't want to just be, ugh. And that was the most perfect thing. It's like God put that in place because that's where I should have been. As far as there's scandals in church, it's foul people in church. And if there was a family or people to be around that could spot you out and keep you safe, they wanted to keep me covered. Okay. And I thrived in that church. I learned in time, long story short, that uh, what I thought was her daughter and her son was not her daughter and her son. Okay. She told me she's a correction. She was a correctional officer. She retired already. Um, Correctional officer at Rikers. Okay, outstanding, bad bitch. <laughs> Didn't have any kids, was married before, was pregnant with twins, had a miscarriage, and it tore her apart. She's even said, like, after that, she had got two um Cabbage Patch dolls. Remember the Cabbage Patch dolls? Because was, she was older than me, so it was a different time. And it was twin ones, a matching ones, and she always kept them in honor of the twins passed away. Her husband and her did not reconcile or it just didn't work. So, so uh, you know, the relationship, they got divorced. He ended up remarrying, having kids, and she just was like traumatized or whatever from that. She did meet somebody new, and when I met her, she was uh, engaged. But long story short, she always had that pain of the loss of the babies. Now, moving forward, she had a neighbor. The neighbor was uh, somebody who was suffering from a drug addiction, okay, cocaine. Like, just run, run through. And they noticed her. They noticed her. And they knew she had a baby. This is the mother, the deaconess that brought me into church and her daughter, my big sister, Lori. They noticed her and they knew and they watched. But, you know, they're church-going people, even though she's a correctional officer and a, and a peace officer, technically, like, they just watch. And it just so happened they would just make conversation with the woman. And I guess at some time they made her feel comfortable. Because one day the woman knocked on the door. And she said, like I said, this is, this is a woman who's deep in her drug addiction or whatever. She said, can you watch my daughter? 
And she said, yes. Uh, what did they say? Yes. Well, well absolutely. They are, they could, could see what was going on. But at the same time, it was almost like a blessing in disguise. Like, yes. And low key, we're not going to shame you. But because we understand what your situation is. We, we church, you know, we're not judging you. Not everybody in the church is holy. And I'm not selling that. I'm just saying that's why I told you about the people in the church I was with. And why when I was under their umbrella, I was covered. Okay. But they was more or less don't want to judge nobody. And just by bring the baby on over here. Okay. And Lori, at the time, she said, you know, was more like she was just open to babies. But at the same time, not having babies her own, she took the baby in. She said, when she, she said, well, Lindsay, when I tell you when I went to change this baby's diaper, she said, I opened the baby's diapers up and it was rashes and just diaper rash all over this baby. Like, it was like neglect, you know, kind of thing. And she said she just bawled out and cried. You know what I'm saying? So she took care of it as best as she could. But at the same time, when the mother came back, now, most people and doctors, whatever, will do whatever they have to do to probably get this child. She just tried to do the best she can. And when the mother came around, not only did she have diapers and wipes and cream and all this, but she said, listen, you know, just so you know, not shaming anybody, not shunning anybody. Just if you ever need a babysitter, she said, that's all I said to her was, please bring her on by. Because that was, she said that she didn't know any other way how to help this child. But to say, come on, bring her over here. And being that, I don't want to say that the woman was in addiction or whatever, but she's going to leave her child somewhere. But she kept saying, okay, well, you know what? I'll bring the baby over here. I'll bring the baby over here. I'll bring the baby over here. And they took that baby every single time. From the child, time the child was a little infant. By the time I met this woman, my big sister Lori, and at the time, the woman only had one child. She ended up having another son later. And Lori did the same thing with the son, brought them in the church and everything, took them up as best as she could. That family took them on as if it was their own children with the mother in tow. Now, here's the blessing of this. With the help of this family, in time, this woman came out of crack addiction. She rehabilitated herself. She became an RN nurse and is now taking care of her two kids and still have the support of this mother and my sister. Okay. And the thing with this is, it's just like how many Lori's and, I, and, and Deaconesses, like I want to say Big Mama, that we have out there like that. Or people that would do that to just say sometimes like if you want. Now, this home is safe. You know what I'm saying? So it's not always that you want to just drop your people. It's a miracle that when she dropped her child, I don't want to just encourage people to just drop your ch child, bitch. Because you ain't going to never tell Chapo drop her child off nowhere, bitch. I be looking at people today, my own, I be looking like, where is my, what? Don't tell me shit. And one thing about me, don't you ever tell me shit and don't you ever try to uh, combat me or battle me or, or, or go around nothing the fuck I say right now about my fucking, I will knock you the fuck out. I don't do that right now because my son needs me and I'm not trying to go to jail. But bro, I totally understand. A mother is a mother is a mother is a mother. All right. We all have to stand the fuck back and then keep guard and watch. Obviously, if we see Dave, you see, you know, something, say something. But for the most part, bro, that's that person's child. So we always have to give people that respect. But sometimes that's the danger that lies in children that need help and can't speak out for people like, oh, well, that's, the, you know, my point is at the end of the day, you can't do shit with my child and not let me damn know, you know, where is he going? I'm trying to figure out, I feel like we both have like, uh, what do you call it? Like we're both attached to each other, you know? But when I think about this thing about Lori, my big sister, and I think about society and I think about things that's going on, I think about people that are throwing or driving off of the bridge or with their children in the van or the car and they're drowning. Uh, and I think about the other day, I just heard this guy threw his 11 month old or throw his baby um, 
in the river. You have people that are killing the mom and then killing the baby, two-day-old baby. I will never turn a blind eye to shit like that, bro. I'm not going to do it. Some people turn a blind eye to their cheating boyfriend, their cheating husband. They turn a blind eye to this bitch. I'm not turning a blind eye to that. And I think about Lori and I'm just like, wow, because that child thrived and that family thrived all because of support. Okay. Now, it didn't always have to be financial support, but it just had to be some kind of loving support. Them kids could have been taken and put in the system, but they never was. You know, just because somebody simply cared. Are we all in a position to simply just take kids in, especially now during coronavirus? Bitch, no. But that's not my point of my story is everybody go take 10 children in need and bring them in. That's not what I said. I just simply said sometimes it's important to check in. Like during coronavirus, if you have a friend that's pregnant right now between 2020 or now or family member, you must check in on them. Because between things like I have a friend here, <clears throat> my home, she's my little sister. She's my little sister. I know she's she like literally nine years old. She's in her 30s now and so am I. Okay. I'm probably, I want to say six years older than her, maybe five. Okay. And she's pregnant with her second child. And big sister's definitely going to be here for her. Is she right? No. You know, we got a whole, you know, family, everybody's there. But at the same time, like, when I sit down and I think about, um, 